but I'm not sure how to spell it. Have you ever heard the phrase, somebody's going to try to tell, tell you? You ever heard anybody tell, say, somebody's going to try to tell you, maybe a parent or a grandparent or somebody like that? I don't know how you spell, somebody's going to try to tell you. But I'm going to try when we put the sermon title out there and we, and, and we talk about that. But our scripture today is from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. The book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Now, Colossians is in the New Testament. Colossians is in the New Testament. It is a, a letter. It's an epistle, which means a letter. To those in, that Paul is writing to here. I should get my glasses on so I can see it. So it's a, writer, a letter to the Colossians. All right. So as we turn in this book, you have to think about Paul. So as Paul traveled on his missionary journeys, he went from town to town and geography to geography. And when he would leave these areas, then he would write back to them, and he would talk to them. He couldn't be there necessarily in person, but he could send these letters, these epistles. Now, we're f familiar with the Postal Service. You know, even um, with the Pony Express, even with that. But mail at this time, they would, he would send a letter, but it's probably going to mean someone's going to have to carry the letter and deliver it. And so think about this, Paul's in one place, he's concerned about somebody in another place. Have you ever had that, where you have somebody in one place and you're concerned about someone that's not where you're at? And so this is Paul. And so put yourself in that position. You have a loved one, you have somebody you're concerned about, and we enter in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Or in him, I'm going to read um, the next two verses just to finish this section out. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Paul's in conflict. If you look behind that, some of you might have, your Bible might have a different word there. He's struggling. 
he's struggling. He says there, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now, I don't mean, I don't know if that means he hasn't seen them, he's not seen them face to face. It almost seems like he's, they're part of the church, but he's never actually seen them. They only know him by letters. They only know them by letters. But you can tell that he's distanced from them. And he wants their hearts, verse 2, to be encouraged. They be knit together loved. And, and he says, and filled with the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and Christ. Because that's where all the mysteries are. That's all the wisdom is. That's where all the knowledge is. Is in Christ. That's where he wants them to point. That's where he wants them to have that understanding. That's their source. And that's our source of wisdom and knowledge. But we read verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Somebody's going to try to trick you. Sometimes trying to confuse you. Can you relate? Can you relate to where Paul's at and what he's trying to... I bet you can. I bet you can. You know when you send your child off to kindergarten or to elementary school? You might have said some, not with exact words, but somebody's going to try to tell you. Somebody's going to try to tell you that, that God didn't create the world. Or maybe you send them off to high school and somebody's going to try to tell you that God is not real. Somebody's going to try to tell you that uh, there are multiple ways to heaven. Somebody's going to try to tell you those things. You might send them off to college and you're not there with them. And somebody's going to try to tell you that uh, we as parents, your parents, you know, we are... Uh, Basically, all the knowledge we've shared to you over the last 18 plus years that we don't know what we're talking about. Somebody's going to try to tell you that they're, they know more than we do. Somebody's going to tell you that we're ignorant and we've done everything wrong. And some of those people are going to try to tell you that they've never had children. But they're educated. Somebody's going to try to tell you. Can you relate? You're sending them off and they're, they're getting other influences and maybe they're getting married or maybe they're doing different kinds of things. You're like, somebody's going to try to tell you these other things or maybe these are in the circles in college or, or, or at work and they picked up friends and somebody's going to try to tell you. Can you relate? Can you relate? That's where Paul's at. He's like, somebody's going to try to tell you. Somebody's going to try to trick you. You know, I look online at the stats sometimes and I see people that watch our, our, our sermons from time to time. But I don't get to see them face to face. I can't. I don't know. But somebody's trying to tell them. They're trying to tell them something. We can't, you know, are they even listening? 
You know, when I look out, there's people that I would like to see in our congregation that used to be, or just haven't been for a while, and I'm like, what, what are they doing? Somebody's going to try to tell you that you don't need to be in church. Somebody's going to try to tell you it's okay just to watch us online. You don't have to be physically there. And then somebody's going to try to tell you that you just need to watch once in a while. And the once in a while turns into once a month, and then once a quarter, and then... Where is that thing? I can't find it. Somebody's going to try to tell you. There's some of that might be listening. There's some of you that I w- there's people that I wish would listen. Listen to, listen to a sermon somewhere, but I don't want them just listening to sermons. They need to be in church. Somewhere. We need that body of believers. The Bible tells us in Scripture, fail not the assembling of ourselves together, even the more as you see the day appearing. We look at our world and everybody's trying to tell us something, and you just want I want to be able to see people face to face, to have a conversation. You know what it's like to care for a child that's not in your house. And you have that concern. Paul's having this concern. He's not there, he's struggling. I want to see you. I want to know that it's what I want because people are going to try to confuse you. We want to be there to answer people's questions, to point them to the Word of God. But if we can't see them face to face, I can't have a conversation with you. It's one way. I don't even know if you're paying attention. You might be paying attention as you listen to my sermon there, but if you fall asleep while you're in the service, I probably know it. And when somebody looks at me confused while I'm talking to them or while we're preaching a sermon, I can, okay, I need to adjust a little bit. If they're smiling, it's like, oh, they're, they're, they're getting it. They like it. They're enthused. But, but when you're out in the world, somebody's going to try to tell you something. And you turn on your TV and you let things into your household, somebody's going to try to tell you things that shouldn't be. Somebody's going to try to tell you. Somebody's going to try to tell you. Online, okay. Once in a while is okay. Not reading your Bible is okay. Not praying is okay. What if I told you that it was okay not to brush your teeth every day? What if I told you it was okay not to shower every day? Or shower once a week or shower once a month or whatever it might be. I know not everybody showers every day. But what happens if you don't brush your teeth every day? Well, it starts to smell. And other people can tell. And then the teeth start to, they start to rot. Thy word as I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. When we pull back from the disciplines of prayer and our Bible and things like that, you, evidently, it has, some would try to tell you that it has less effect on us than if we didn't brush our teeth every day. Because we always brush our teeth every day. But do we have that same urgency for things of God? But see, there's so many different things that somebody's going to try to tell you. They're going to try to back you off. See, 
it seems like during COVID, a lot of people's lives were lost. But it seems like we also lost the passion to be in church. We want to dial everything in. We want to do everything remote. You know, there was a time that people got together. They have a Sunday morning service. And they had Sunday school before that. They had a Sunday night service. And they got together on Bible study on Wednesday night. Now we're fortunate if we can get people to come to church on Sunday once a week, every other week, or once a month. The whole passion for being in church and with God's people seems to have been one of the casualties of COVID. And we look at our society, we don't know how to behave around other people. When we get together in, in, in groups, uh, we bump into somebody and we're ready to take them out. Somebody's going to try to tell you that the things of God are important. Somebody's going to try to tell you that you can pull back and you'll be okay. Someone's going to, somebody's going to try to tell you that you can go out on the mountainside like John Halton and worship God in your own way. But is it the way God wants you to worship? See, there's so much confusion out there and there's so much things that cause confusion that are going on. And somebody's trying to tell you. Verse 4 says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with pervasive, persuasive words. Persuasive words. Have you listened to some of these oratories, these great speeches? Your politicians gave these great speeches, but if you sit down and you listen to what they say, they might not actually be saying anything. You ever heard the term, oh, that's a great non-answer? You ask someone a question, and they give you a response, and, by the, and you're like, oh, that was pretty. That sounded pretty. That sounded flowing. But if you actually listen to what they say, they actually didn't say anything, and they didn't answer your question at all. Verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Your wisdom should be coming from God and from his word. And if it contradicts the message of Christ, a red flag should go up. And you should ask yourself, should I be listening to this? Should I let this in my house? Should I let this in my household? This is confusing me. As I was growing up, I was taught certain things, and I was taught about the Scripture. There came a point in my life that I needed to discern what my doctrine is about God's Word. It needed to be my own. But the danger during those time periods of discernment is that you throw out everything that you've been told in the past and try to go it alone on your own wisdom. And you try to look through the peers and you don't want to hear from anything from anyone that's older. I've told this story several times, but at one point my, uh, in our, our family's life, we... A couple of my boys and a couple of her cousins were at the age 
that they had to have a consensus that it was a good thing, idea to throw rocks at my steel garage door. They were young boys. But see, they all had that same consensus. They didn't talk to anyone older. They didn't talk to, to parents. They thought that was a good idea. That was the consensus. That was the democracy opinion, that it was a good idea. Parents, you know, we kind of help hold the boundaries based on experience in calmer times. But in the excitement of the moment, those boys, they all thought it was a great idea. And I still have the dents in my garage door. Now, I dare say that they wouldn't want me throwing rocks at their stuff at this point. But at that point, they were of the consensus idea. The common wisdom is going to be just ignore everything that you've been taught. Just, just get rid of it. Because that's all foolishness. What I suggest to you is don't throw everything out until you've learned it for yourself. You might have been taught to, to drive and it was like, you know, drive a certain way. What if you threw all those rules out and say, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'll figure this out on my own. I don't need to know. You know, I'm driving the left lane. Who are you to tell me where to drive? This is a, this is a free country. I'm old enough. I'm mature enough. I'm 30. I'm 40. I'm just going to drive the left lane. Who are you to tell me? You might not know why we drive in the right lane here. You might not know why it's that way, but just because you don't know why it's that way doesn't mean you just start driving in the left lane and going against traffic that doesn't really make sense. Well, I, I'm just going to go it on my own. Well, all my friends are doing it, so they're all driving the left lane. That's great. I have friends over in England. They all drive the left lane, so I'm going to do it. So at least take the time to pause and say, okay, why? My parents, my elders are still alive. Maybe they're not. Maybe yours aren't. But if you're a younger person, they seem to have survived. Maybe I don't have to repeat the same mistakes they did. Maybe I should at least do a little bit of research and understand the why they do what they do before I just chuck it. There might be some traditions that are just traditions. And I could tell you the story about why you don't want to get stuck in tradition, but you need to at least discern it because they're going to try to deceive you and twist it up. Because you found today that people talk in sound bites. There's no depth of thought, there's no discernment. It's in sound points and pure oratory. Who would have thought if you let boys with rocks, they would pick to just throw them at a steel door? Who would have thought if you let people just riot that they're not going to burn something, steal something, kill somebody? That bad things might happen if you just let it If we don't base our knowledge on the Word of God, we start basing our knowledge on our wisdom, and our wisdom is finite. We're a bunch of, like a bunch of little boys throwing rocks at a door because we're only as smart as we are. 
People talk about computers and artificial intelligence. They're only as smart as the programmers and what information's put in them. And we, so we become this echo chamber of ideas, like these. And it's not based on God. It avoids God. Because if you go with God, then you're going with... So it avoids God. It goes anti-God. It's anti-Christ. If it points toward God, it's got to be bad, point against God. Running away from God. And we get caught up in that wisdom, and he's, he's like, I'm struggling here. I want you to know what a great struggle, conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. Have you heard that before? Have you heard of Laodicea before? It's in the book of Revelations. It's the church that was lukewarm. And they said things like, oh, what? I don't need any help. We're doing great. We're increased with goods. We have all this stuff. Look how successful we've been. We don't need these things. And God says, you're lukewarm. Repent. Because he's going to spew you out of his mouth. He wishes you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, tepid water. You ever drank tepid water? He's going to spew you out of his mouth. Because we become self-sufficient. We don't need God's knowledge. We're, we're almighty people. We can change the climate in the world. We can adjust it all. Because we're so smart. Be careful. Because someone is going to try to tell you. Someone is going to try to tell you. They're going to try to tell you that there's no hell. It's going to try to tell you that there's no Christ. They don't want to try to tell you that you don't need your sins forgiven. And they're going to try to tell you that if you eat these things or don't eat those things, that somehow that's going to allow you to live forever. This world is going to come to an end. There is going to be global warming. We've talked about where God's going to consume and burn up the whole world. They're in need of the knowledge of God. They're flailing around like a person drowning that's going to try to pull down the person trying to rescue them. We need to be on fire for God. We need to be in His Word. We need to be in prayer, we need to be doing outreach. Because, you know, you might have kids in another community, or you might know people in another community that you care about, but you can't see them, you can't be there. Your, your prayer is that someone, your prayer is that someone would be there for them. Someone would tell them about Jesus. Someone would help them see the truth. Someone would draw them back to God. Someone might draw them to God in the first place. But someone would reach them in a way that it seems like you can't get there. Someone would have a face-to-face -face with them. And that's your prayer, and that's your concern. Think about the fact that there's someone in that town that had kids in this locality, and they're praying that someone would reach out to their kid. Someone would care about their kid. Someone would tell them, their loved one, about Jesus. 
Someone would be there for them. Are you that someone for somebody else's child? Do unto others as you have them do unto them. Do unto you. Maybe we should think about that, that there's someone's child that's in our circle. Someone's mother, someone's grandmother in our circle. Well, we're praying for ours in their circle. We are a community of believers. Let's not let down on our responsibilities. So if people are trying to, someone trying to tell you that you're not important, they're wrong. The Bible tells us we are. Somebody trying to tell you that God created the world, didn't? They're wrong. Someone's trying to tell you that God's not real, then there's something inside me that tells me otherwise. Somebody trying to tell you. You know what someone might be trying to tell you Remember what Paul, uh, Jesus said to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. What someone was trying to tell you might not be authored by them, it might be authored by Satan. And you might say, well, I'm not educated. You only need to be educated to know, to seek God's truth, and he will tell you what you need to know. He's the source of knowledge. He's a source of truth. All the degrees on the wall don't profit you anything if you don't know Jesus. Let's be standing together. Father God, in this age of somebody trying to tell us something, everybody's trying to tell us something. We have people thousands of miles away trying to tell us how to live our lives right here. We have people thousands and hundreds of miles away trying to tell us how to think. how to raise children, based on their own wisdom. Antichrist. Pushing against you, lifting themselves up. They're antichrist. They're pushing away. They're deceitful. They're tripping. I pray that when somebody tries to tell us that we would look to you and say, God, what do you think? What does your word say? That that prayer, God, what do you think? Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Lord, you take care of the grass and the birds and how more valuable are we, your word says. Help us to focus on you. Help those in transition from young adults or into young adults. Wouldn't throw away everything. They've been raised in the church and they throw everything away. Lord, help them to see their need of you. Maybe some, like the prodigal child, need to come to their senses in the pig slop to come back to you. Lord, I just pray that you would help those to see. They need to be in church. They need to be God's help. And help us to be ever in prayer. Lord, for them. Lord, 
we pray. That you would help us to be someone outreach, someone that's struggling away from us as we struggle for those away from us. Someone that's struggling for someone in our community. They're concerned about them. They want somebody to reach out to them, that we might be that person. Lord, we think of our former General Superintendent Bob Klein, raised in the church but went away from God. At 27, came back. Might have never actually known you. He just resisted all those years. But at 27, he was awakened. Lord, that there's hope. We pray to Lord that you would just help us to stay true to you, to stay strong in you, to do our part for you, and to ignore the somebody's going to tell us, the stuff they're going to tell us. And that the wisdom and the knowledge we need is in you. I pray, congregation, with that, that your prayer as we